I have absolutely loved um, going through this sermon series. When we came up with it about a year ago, uh, Kristen, Tammy, and I were all just so pumped and, and so amped to um, have the opportunity to deliver these messages to you. And I have to say that I severely underestimated what it would actually take to put this sermon together. For as excited as I was, the last two weeks have been, um, we'll just say challenging a tad bit. I think I underestimated what it would take to talk about the power of God. And as I was wrestling through the last two weeks trying to put this sermon together, this memory popped into my mind of when I was back in high school on um, our youth leadership team at our church. We had just gotten done with a leadership meeting, and I had gone upstairs into our youth director's office, and she was sitting at her desk. We were just chit-chatting, and she had these bookcases full of books on theology and church doctrine, church history, and I, I just lit up. I couldn't wait to dig into some of that stuff. And I turned to Sue, uh, my youth director, and I said, Sue, I can't wait to know everything there is to know about God. And as any good youth director would to her student, she got this very gracious smile on her face, and she said, Cat, my love, that is impossible. And I'm sure I didn't hide my face very well when I reacted to that, but I remember this sense of, like, watch me. <laughs> However, that moment was a pivotal moment for me. It was one of those moments that is marked in my history that has sent me on a trajectory to where I am today. But that moment was also a gut punch for me and a reminder that whenever we come to God's word, whenever we study God, we have to start from a place of humility. And it's really important that we do that. Now, when we look at David's life, I have to imagine that as David looked back on his life, that he too had these moments where he saw God working. He had these moments of humility. A few sermon series ago, I believe it was Pastor Scott that had talked to us about God dots, like these little moments along our path. When we look back at them, we see the thread of God coming through our lives. And I imagine that David experienced that at multiple points. And I think in that, he recognized some of the power of God. But you see, David would have recognized the power of God in other ways, too, because David didn't have buildings and lights and technology like we do. He could have just gone out his front door, looked up at the heavens, seen the 200 billion galaxies looking back at him, and just been in wonder. And so David would have had this ability to look back at his past and see God's power, and he would have also been able to look up and look around him and see God's power. But that's not what David chooses to do in this psalm. And honestly, it confused me at first. You see, David chooses to look in. And so that's where we find David um, in Psalm 139 today. We're talking about the all-powerful God, the omnipotent God, the God who is power. 
And so before we jump into the word, if you will pray with me just for a moment. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word, to unpack the incredible richness that is in it. Allow it to come into our lives and transform us in such a way that we can reflect your love out into this world. We give this time up to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, so we are in verse 13, starting out. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. When you read this, in really much of this psalm, it's really beautiful, poetic writing. And if you go too fast, you miss the depth of what is actually being said. When you look back at translations, when, when we're talking about who formed, it's, it's not just create, it's a sense of ownership. So David is acknowledging that God is responsible for creation. Knit together in my mother's womb, he's acknowledging that this creation goes on within a mother, yes, but that it's not just the mother and the child. God is present in that moment. And he's responsible for intentionally putting us together. We weren't just put together by chance. Verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. This is the first point in this entire psalm where David actually says, I praise you, God. And I find it curious that we've talked about this all-knowing God and this ever-present God, but now we're talking personal, really personal. And it's at this point that David chooses to praise God and to acknowledge the incredible nature that God is. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm sure many of you probably have this on like a cute little plaque or on a sign somewhere in your home. It's one of those phrases we've probably heard since we were kids. But what David is literally saying here is that he's awestruck. He is awestruck by the handiwork of the creator. I know very well, David has been on a journey. God took a shepherd boy, brought him in front of a giant, conquered that giant, went on to fight in wars, fled for his life, was anointed king but then told not yet, and had to wait. He fought wars, and he ultimately became king over Israel. But I can tell you one thing, that he was not perfect. He messed up a lot. David knows God very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. This idea of depths of the earth isn't what you may think. It's actually just another way of acknowledging the mother's womb. But God was present. And this idea of intricately woven, translated, it actually means variations of color or variegated color, uniqueness. So we've been intentionally created and we've been uniquely created. I have to wonder, though, how it was that David was able to reflect on this. David was very much ahead of his time. I agree. Um, <laughs> David was very much ahead of his time. And I think the reason he was able to like recognize this 
was because David was able to press pause. David was able to slow down enough to recognize God within himself, God working within his own life. And so I have to ask you, are we moving too fast? Our Western, our, our, our culture, our, our world tells us to go, 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 but how often are we slowing down to recognize God? St. Augustine said, And men go abroad to admire the heights of the mountains and the mighty waves of the sea, the broad tides of the rivers, the compass of the ocean, the circuits of the skies, yet pass over the mystery of themselves without a thought. It's one thing to miss everything out there, but are we missing what we look at in the mirror every single morning? I have two beautiful small children, and I have to say, time is moving really, really fast. Really fast. It's hard to believe that it was just five short years ago that we moved here, and I've got this picture of my son in his baby carrier at two months old in the middle of my living room with nothing else in the house. And I looked at him this weekend as he yanked his first tooth out and blood was going everywhere and he was freaking out. And I was like, man, like time is moving too fast. And I have to remind myself over and over and over again to pause and recognize the creation that's right in front of me, not just myself, but what God has given me with my children. And so I ask you, are we moving too fast? Going on to verse 16. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. Y'all, when I read this, it kind of gave me goosebumps. And I don't, I don't know if it's this idea of putting something very human that we identify with to God, giving God eyes. But it kind of stopped me because I was like, not only did God create me, out of all the people who ever existed, God had his eyes on me when I was being created. He had his eyes on every single one of you. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, and none of them as yet existed. When I re finished reading this, I, I, I almost missed it. Because what we're learning here is that yeah, and we know, like we've learned that God's all-knowing. He knows every step we're going to take. He knows where we're going to go and where we're going to end up. But y'all, he knew we were going to be a hot mess. He knew, and you know what? He created us anyways. He still chose you. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them, but they are more than the sand. Have you ever thought about the thoughts that God's thinking about you? Like, it's one of those kind of like brain break moments. And, and I love that, that David brings this up. Because he, he's acknowledging the magnitude of the power of God. But you have to continue reading on to, to see like, his kind of response to that. I come to the end. Some of yours, uh, your translations may say, and when I wake, I am still with you. You see, for some of us, when we start to wrestle with these big 
crazy thoughts, we freeze up. And we're like, you know what, that's, that's just too much. I'm not going to bother with that, and I'm just going to press on. David acknowledges that it's a lot. But David chooses to still be with God. He understands that God's much bigger than he could ever possibly wrap his head around, but he still chooses God. What do we do in our awestruck moments? Do we get overwhelmed and move on, or do we choose to lean into God? Do we choose to be with God? Because you know what? God is still showing up. Are you? The walk with God matters. Our journey matters. You see, humanity is always going to get in the way. Humanity will always get in the way of us fulfilling our God-given purpose and calling. Humanity, our brokenness, will always get in the way of our relationship with God. Every time. It's not enough to know about God. And I think back to that conversation with, with my youth director probably what was running through her mind, and she knew that I would only have to experience it. It's not enough to know about God. We are designed to be with God. David's humanity got in the way a lot. And as we read on, we are going to see that on full display. In verse 19... Oh, that you would kill the wicked, oh God. Keep in mind the beauty of what we were just talking about for the last 18 verses. For some of us, this is a very sudden shift, and we're like, whoo, David, what's going on? Oh, that you would kill the wicked, oh God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. Do I not hate those that hate you, Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Y'all, when I first read this, I was like, David, you are team too much. <laughs> like, I get that you have had this journey and you are all about God and you want everybody to know about God. And you also want those who don't want to know about God to get out of the way. But David, I think your humanity is maybe getting the best of you. It's funny because I, I think back to when I first met my husband. One of the very first uh, interactions we had or dates we went on, he was watching an Alabama football game. Now, y'all, I, I grew up in the north. We didn't have college football like you do down here. And as I watch him, like, pacing back and forth and getting really upset because they've dropped passes and they're like, Bama's better than this, roll tide. Like, I, I just, I was like, oh, man, like, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, this is team too much. <laughs> like, I love you, but now, I, I say that to, to bring some, some levity to this, but I, let me be clear. There is nothing wrong with our emotions and our passions. God gave those to us. 
It's what we do when we have that, that overwhelming sense of like, I'm going to be so passionate, so big, so like wound up about things. It's what we do with that in relation to God that matters and I think defines us as Christians. David says in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in a way everlasting. Are we willing to be authentically ourselves with God? David was. David was willing to acknowledge the magnitude that God was and all of his power and glory. But he was also very willing to lay himself out on the table and say, God, this is me. Tell me if I'm off on this because you know better than I do. Your power is greater than my own. So are we willing to be authentic and be real with God? Are we willing to invite God into every aspect of our life, even the ugly stuff? Verses 23 and 24 is kind of one of those like check me God moments. Are we not just willing to let God see us? Are we willing to have God hold us accountable? Are we willing to have those moments where we are so certain of where we're supposed to go that we've got the power to do something, but to go to God and say, hey, check me and tell me if I'm off course, and if I am off course, lead me to what you want. Are we willing to turn over control? And so I have a few questions as we start to wrap up. Is God big enough? Think about that for a minute. We've talked about these attributes of God for the last three weeks. Let's go personal for a minute. I don't think it's difficult to accept that God's power exists. We see it all around us. Sometimes it takes a little longer to see it within us. Some of us can clearly see it in our paths. Others may have to look a little bit deeper. But is God big enough? Is he big enough to trust? Is God bigger and greater than the struggles and the joys of my life? Is God's power bigger than your anxiety? Is God's power bigger than your broken relationships? Is God's power bigger than the illness that you're fighting through? Is God's power bigger than your deepest struggles in life? But on the flip side of this, guys, we also have to consider this. Is God's goodness and God's power greater than our joys? Is God greater than our children? Is God greater than our passions and our joys? You have to wrestle with both when we consider the power of God. You see, it's a journey, and we have to go about this journey with open hands, saying, God, like, I know there's multiple points where I think I've got this all figured out, but God, I don't. And I need you to check me. I need you to guide me. Because there's nothing that I can do that will come close to the power that you have. 
A.W. Tozer once said, the reason why so many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't come to the end of themselves. We sang about that earlier. Have you come to the end of yourself? We are still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. This psalm is most commonly known as the psalm of surrender. Are you willing to surrender to God? You know, and I think, I think our minds may go to the big stuff. Like, hey, like I've got this, this big dream and maybe we, we surrender that to God. But y'all, I'm talking about the little stuff too. That day-to-day walk. The little struggles of trying to get your kids out of the house on time to school. Like, search me, God. Know me. Know that these are my struggles because it's like anything else we do in life. If you do something repetitiously, over and over and over, it becomes part of our nature. And so we are called to surrender not just the big stuff, but the little stuff too. We need to allow God to be our everything and to not go at this journey alone. You see, David had little to offer God. He was a shepherd boy. He was, he was the eighth son of his family. On the books, he was nothing. But God saw more in David. God saw a willing heart in a person who was willing to open their lives to the direction of God. David surrendered his heart and opened his life to the power, the knowledge, and the presence of God. As I was doing my research, there was um, a lot of people who talked about this being the psalm of surrender, but there was a few who had a little bit different perspective. And I really connected with it. They talked about how this psalm was like a love letter between God and his creation. And I think this this really struck a chord with me because for all that God holds in his hand, and he holds a lot, God seeks a relationship with us. The God of the universe, the God of creation, the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and David, the same God who came into this world in all his power as an infant, who would then grow up to be our savior and go to the cross on our behalf. That same God is seeking to have a relationship with you. But are we willing to show up? Are we willing to believe that God wants us. Because I think as, as humans, as the broken beings that we are, we go to a, the, dis, it's called the great disqualifier. We start getting in our own heads and saying, I am not good enough. Out of all the 
something billion, I had it written down and I don't remember, but like billions upon billions of people who have walked this earth, who am I? But don't forget, he knew you would be broken and he still chose to create you. He still chose to make you uniquely designed for a purpose and a reason in this life. So don't shortchange that. God's love is that big. And I love that David's willing to show his love back. The last piece I'll, I'll share with you um, as, as the band uh, starts to come out here in a moment is, is this. This imagery came to my mind as I was putting this together over a child and their parent. And having two small kids myself, I know that there's these stages that we go through where they are very reliant on the parent for everything. And then as life goes on, they start to get a little bit more confident, a little bit more bold. Maybe they don't have to hold your hand literally as often. Kind of eats away at you as a parent because you want them to want you. And then I'm told, and I'm not at this stage, as, as we move into our teen years and on into adulthood, that desire for the parent to lean in and be wanted and be needed and be looked to for advice only grows because the individual becomes more confident and more sure of, I don't know, their own power. But then we get these very rare moments where we call mom up, say, hey, I still need you. Tell me what to do. And when I look at David's life, for as much as he knew about God, yo, he was a king. God gave him a way to become a king. And David messed up a lot. But David always came back to God. David always came back, reached out his hand, and said, Father, I still need you. Are we willing to surrender our lives the way David did? Are we willing to acknowledge the all-knowing, ever-present God, the God of this enormous power, wanting to show up in our lives? And it, a moment, um, we'll close out with this song. I invite you guys to come forward. There's something about kneeling before God. Greta and Scott will be up here to pray. Y'all take the moment. Be awestruck. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to unpack just a fragment of who you are. You are that awesome. And I know that I'm so small in the scope of all of it. But the joy that I find knowing that you still chose me is incredibly humbling. And so God, we surrender this to you and we give this time up to you. In your holy son's precious name, amen.
Would you stand and let's worship together. The altars are open this morning. We give Cat a big round of applause. I have stood on this stage and tried to preach in a rainstorm like that. You cannot hear yourself think. It doesn't work. But, but I do know that as we draft teams later this afternoon, all of the Alabama fans are going in the team too much category. So she has forever given me a name now that I can hold on to. But um, one quick announcement, because of the rain, it, the officers will not stop traffic because it's too dangerous uh, to stop the car. So if you live towards Navarre, uh, we encourage you, if you will, to take a nice, slow drive down Soundside and turn left on Nantahala and come out at the light that way just to be abundantly safe. Um, but thank you guys for being here today. Looking forward to everything that God has in store for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. 
And uh, thank you for this series. Lord, at each and every point and every message, there were truths, God, that, that shook me to my core. And I pray that we never stop being awestruck by who you are. God, you are big enough for the anxiety. You are big enough for the healings that are necessary. You are big enough for for those impossible situations that we're walking through. And I pray that as a church, Lord, we learn to lean into that. I ask that you lead us and guide us as we leave this place. Keep us all safe. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a wonderful week. Thank you.